When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to the Potted Together podcast. My name is Adam and I'm joined, as always, by my two beautiful co-hosts, Becca and Nicole. Hello. Hello, everybody. Hey, hey. Today, we are going to be talking about houseplant pests. Oh, yes. Because it is getting warmer and they are... They are coming for all of yes. us. But first, we're going to do our little catch-up. So, Becca, how's your week been? My week. On the spot. Okay. <laughs> it's been um, <laughs> just like a regular adult week. Um, we paid off a part of Daniel's car loan. We're, I don't know. We're like doing some like debt Ooh. stuff, you know? Um, we got a little extra money out of the loan because we were going to use it for something, and then we didn't end up using it, so we just paid it back. And now we saw how low the loan is now, and we're like, wow, this is so cool. So nice. that felt really good. And then we refinanced the loan. <laughs> oh, oh, you are adulting this week. Look at you. I know. We were like laughing because it took like two hours, but we were just like laughing because he... Like, before he went upstairs for the night, he's like, had a really great time with you tonight, refinancing the loan. <laughs> oh. Ow, ow. Like, the height some of financial romance. Talk. Yeah, like, ooh, this is sexy. Uh, it, Care to make a deposit? Would <laughs> you like to drop off anything in my bank vault? Um <laughs> Starting off, start, starting off strong. <laughs> Gross. I'm so embarrassed. Um, no. It was, so that was like, that was last night. And so basically leading up to that, I've been spending like my mornings going outside and watering my flowers. And it's just so fun. Like, it's so fun. I feel like my mom, like my, my parents would always wake up in the morning and go outside and water the flowers. And I feel like them. So it, it, that's always fun, you know? And that's pretty much my week. I mean, I always remember like 80,000 other things once we start talking, but for a week <laughs> recap, that's pretty much it. Oh, I'm caught up on YouTube videos for once in my life. Finally, Ooh, I took some time yes. off to get re-inspired and it worked. And I filmed like five videos in two days and edited all of them and we're, we're good for a while now. So feels oh, good. That's such a good feeling. Mm-hmm. I wonder. I wonder if Mercury, Mer, Mercury, Mercury. <laughs> I can't say that word. That planet was it in retrograde? Because I just recently this week kind of felt like creative juices flowing more. You know. I actually think it was. I think. Wait. I think that we can okay. go online and find out. Like. Because that that damn planet that does a that does a number on all of us. I can. I feel. There's like. a website called is Mercury in retrograde dot com. If you ever, if anyone ever wants to know, um, and it says no, it's not currently in retrograde. Mercury turns retrograde 
at 3.34 p.m. on May 29th. Oh. When was the well, last it's, it's, time? It's uh, approaching. Yes. That time. So we got like... And I look forward to that. We've got like a month of like good vibes. I wonder I wonder if we have like PMS, PMR. <laughs> Pre-Mercury retrograde. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, on February 20th, it stopped. It was in it was in retrograde from January 30th to February 20th. So oh, no. I really can't say much for March, I guess. <laughs> that was just us. <laughs> yeah. It was just us. Um, I'm curious, Becca, are you still like using your sunroom with your beautiful new wicker furniture that you bought? Yes. It's it's all still in there and it, it looks so good. I just I love it. I love having a place to sit in there. And I don't think that I plan on removing it. If anything, I'll remove like the little or chairs and put them in a different part of the house. Maybe. But yeah, I, mm-hmm. I love it. I think it's so great. I sit in there every single day and I work from that spot now. And it's like my little office. Even though I just bought a desk, I don't use it. I only use it for sewing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, as, so thank you for asking. It's doing great in there and love it. Love it. Love it. I love working around plants, honestly. It's like, it. I mean, scientifically, it has been proven to make people more efficient. Mm-hmm. So I think that's awesome. Yes. I agree with that for sure. Coley, how's your week been? It's been good. Let's see. The highlight of my week was probably taking my dogs to the vet. (laughs) Adulting. 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 Uh, I've just been putting it off and putting it off. It's always a hefty bill. It's always like they need like three or four shots each so they got their rabies shots and then they got their distemper Mm. and then we took blood for like heartworms so we'll find out tomorrow if that's all good they they usually are like we don't really go for walks in forest preserves and stuff but now that we're moving out to the suburbs i'm like we really got to stay on top of this heartworm thing because well you know becca it's like Mm -hmm. a the forest is filled with little things. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's just, you know, it's always like just this accomplishment or like sense of like, okay, check that off the list for the next year. Um, Jazzy has a yeast infection, my poor little baby. No. Oh, no. Yeah. So we got some spray and some meds for her, but she's just always really, she gets seasonal allergies. Like I know she's, she's got them. She's always red. Mm-hmm. So this should help her relieve some of that itchiness but yeah yeah we just we just did that today actually just got back not that long ago but other than that like it's been kind of a eh, week like it was raining for quite some time I think like three days straight it drizzled or rained and it was super gloomy but the sun is out today and it doesn't look like there's any rain in the forecast for like at least the next five days so I plan on doing some filming, like, in my backyard. I'm really excited about that. Mm-hmm. Get, get some of that vitamin D. Vitamin D, right? vitamin yes. D. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But that's about it. What about you, Adam? Um, yeah, I mean, so I've been watching the, like, the, the 
Derek Chauvin trial, like all, since it started mm-hmm. online, oh. like oh, are just you watching kind of it online? Listening to it uh, yeah. while I work, and it's not you know, it's not fun to have to relive that. I did not watch the the video of of the situation that happened with George, George Floyd because I just knew that I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I've seen parts of it and big parts of it through this and heard parts of it. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's just like reigniting all of that. And then obviously, you know, there was another black man killed in Minneapolis mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. while this trial is going on. So I just feel like my, it's been a heavy, like it's been a heavy week. Yeah. Yeah. But <clears throat> I mean, I think it's good not to ignore it. Also, it it does take a toll. Like, I can just feel myself being in, like, this, oh, my gosh, like, what is our world? And that's coming as a white man who I feel like has this world built for them, which is just ridiculous. But yeah. it's, I don't know. We, we I don't know started, what to say, but it's. We started watching it because they did the opening statements on, like, national television. And mm-hmm. that's when they showed the video. And the kids, <sighs> like, the kids are homeschooled. So we we were wa- we were like in the middle of watching the opening statements and they kind of panned over to the video and like I don't know as a mom as a white mom I felt like okay it's important that they that they see this cuz they only see like bits and pieces of it in the news like they don't they didn't never showed the whole thing but like some of the video started in the um, convenience store that he was in and it was just like how it led up to that and then after obviously you know he had him on the ground the kids had a really hard time watching it and I was like you don't have to watch anymore if you don't want to watch it but like I also felt it was important for them to know like <laughs> this man was clearly murdered clearly murdered because I know that they're not airing the whole thing on TV because now, well, now they're going into the defense's statements and they're just stating all these cases about other ways he could have died. And it's like, just shut the, you know, like that's (laughs) no, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just thought it was important for them because they're talking about it in school too, which I think is a good thing. Um, But it was, it was really, really hard to watch. So I was just like, I felt like torn. I was like, at what point am I like, okay, you know, you don't have, don't watch it or watch it and just feel that anger because we should be feeling angry about the situation. But then again, they're kids. So it was just like this hard thing I was battling in my head when that first happened. But um, I haven't been listening to it. I've been kind of getting recaps at the end of the day about it. And these defense statements are just really they're really upsetting that they're coming forth with all these other things that could have led to his death and it's like come on it's so blatant you know yeah yeah as of this morning both sides have rested their cases and jury deliberation will begin on monday morning so okay all right um and you know i sat here and listened to this and think there is absolutely no way this person is going to get off right but then I also remember all of the injustices that have been happening in this world yeah. yep. against black people. And I'm just like, OK, well, I'm not sure. But I hope I hope that I hope he does not get off. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. So, yeah. Um, but aside from that, uh, you know, my Macro Monday situation that I do, like, sometimes on Instagram, I was doing really good, like, every Monday posting on my stories, like, macro pictures of plants, because I just love taking them. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> this Monday, I was, like, going around, 
and very pertinent to the topic today, <laughs> I was like trying to take a picture of my Guna Gainig, Hoya Guna Gainig, Gunug, Gunung Gating. That's a mouthful. That one is a hard one to say. <laughs> uh, and I was like getting really close because the macro lens shows you everything crystal clear. And I just saw that Hoya covered in mites, but I'm not even sure what mites Ugh. they are. No. So, yeah. So I've been like, you know, it was funny. Last episode, we talked about bringing plants outside. And I think I mentioned that I only take them outside if I'm dealing with like pests. Sure mm. enough, my patio was filled with Hoya because I was treating Ugh. that one and then all of the ones around it. Dang. Uh, but I'm still unsure of what mite it is because this is the same sort of mite that I had before in my Hoya. Uh, and there's no webbing, which I know spider mites create webbing when it's a advanced infestation because mm-hmm. they're creating the webbing to protect the eggs that they're laying. But there was a lot of little, I mean, they shine in the sun, so they're like bright orange mm-hmm. and they're tiny, 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 There's tiny. microscopic. Like yeah. you, you would not have been able to see those without your macro lens like i saw i saw you post it on instagram and i was like what the heck like it's impossible to see those and what are they i like i did a quick little google search which i'm sure you did a ton of research and i can't find anything that looks like exactly like that (laughs) yeah so i don't know what it is either and some people are like well maybe they're good mites but i don't think that's the case because they're usually hovering around you know how hoya put out a nice long like vine and then the little tiny leaves you can see there but they just haven't like fully started developing they're always around those and those Mm -hmm. are always falling off Mm. so i'm like i don't think they're good like yeah that clearly is a signal to me that they're not like helpful they're hindering so um so yeah i've been treating those that's always a stressful thing and then it made me wonder like where the heck did these come from because i haven't brought a new plant in in quite some time you know? Yeah. And that Hoya is not new. So right. I always just like wonder, I was like, how the heck did, like, do they like crawl in through windows and be yeah. like, oh, well, I see plants in there. Time for a vacation. Time I don't for know. a snack. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good lead in today, in, into today's episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So pests, you brought, pests. so you brought all of, like all of your Hoya outside. Like, what are you doing? Are you using Captain Jack's? Like, what are you doing to treat it? Yeah, so I didn't bring all of them outside because I I was inspecting a lot of them. Personally, how I and well, I think we'll get to like more ways in the episode of like identifying pests. But personally, mm-hmm. how I always identified uh, spider mites, and you can tell by that one video that Becca had put on her channel where we found <laughs> spider mites in her collection, is I put, <laughs> I put a light kind of like I get my magnifying glass, I put a light behind the plant, and I just kind of like look for webbing. Again, this situation, there was no webbing. Um, So I was shining the light around the stems and using my magnifying glass, and it reflected off of these mites. Like, they're bright orange, bright red. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's how I found them. So once I did, I took that immediate plant outside, and then I took some surrounding plants outside, and I was inspecting all of them. And then I just, yeah, I used Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew. Because, Mm -hmm. to be honest... I've used other methods of pest treatment, but Captain Jack's has always worked really well for me with spider mites mm-hmm. in particular. Those yeah. ones are the ones that are like, you know, a lot of the insecticidal, organic organic insecticidal stuff 
they don't spider mites have like advanced and like evolved to just be immune to some of that stuff but captain jack's just it's a natural it has spinosad in it and it just seems to work really well mm-hmm. um so i've been spraying it down like every like twice a day for now and they seem to be gone so. so after you posted that on instagram you didn't get any replies as to what specific mite it could be or if it even is mites no, I mean, it definitely was mites because in that Instagram story video, like, one of them was crawling while yeah. I was panning down. Mm. But no, no. But a lot of people are like, oh, thank you for posting this. I didn't even know what spider mites look like, even though I didn't say it was spider mites. But oh, yeah. they do look very akin to how I've seen spider mites in the past. It's just like, you know, I can't really count the number of legs on them because they're so tiny. And my micro lens isn't that good <laughs> to see, like, all their yeah. little legs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I so. used to get red spider mites. That was the, what the one that I was plagued by for basically a year after we figured out that I had them, and they would get big, and I could see them crawling on the leaves, like, and they were like a reddish color. It's freaky. Yeah, they're gr- it's just gross. Yeah, I wish that I. Well, that's what I. Well, when I. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. When I say that they got big, I should. I should say, like, they were not big. They were just big enough where I could see them moving, but they were still tiny, tiny. I wish that I had a macro lens in that moment because I probably could have magnified it quite a bit since it was that size, but uh, should have, could have, would have. I don't want to have that experience again (laughs) so I can get the pick, but. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. That's what I was going to say. I'm wondering if maybe you caught it so early on that maybe they're just babies. Like, they're not you know big yeah. and juicy yet <laughs> <laughs> they're not they're not big and juicy yeah i mean i think i did you know i don't inspect my plants as much as i should but i'm thankful that i did catch these just before they got to to anything else you know i bet macro monday helps with that though yeah <laughs> i mean i feel like both times i've found these specific type of mite it's been been it's been because of macro monday Mm -hmm. (laughs) and by the way these plants are in leca so that it wasn't a soil plant so it's just it's still i mean i know that people say oh leca will prevent pests which is uh, not true because no i've had pests on all like a lot of my leca plants i mean it may help not create the most suitable environment for them but it's not going to prevent them right yeah i feel like the only the only pest the only real pest that it that LECA would help with is fungus gnats in a sense where like, you know, fungus gnats reproduce in like the top one to one and a half inches of your soil. And I feel like they need that breeding ground in order to reproduce. Um, But that doesn't necessarily mean that fungus gnats can't find their way from a soil plant to a LECA plant (laughs) and just hang around it, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's LECA definitely doesn't help with pests. Uh, I actually, I've been battling mealybugs for a couple of months now. And I found my, oh, which plant was it? Um, I think it was my obovata had, no, it wasn't. It was my um, crimson princess had like a little and you're right it's always like the newer leaves that these bugs love to Mm -hmm. just hang around 
and they were it was really hard to see them because it's variegated and mealybugs are white but they were all kind of just hanging in this little nook i cut that part of the plant off because i was just like okay there's too many to just kill chopped it off tossed it and i noticed like a couple like one or two mealybugs and literally my whole shelf of hoya every day I'm taking a cotton swab and some alcohol and just wiping them off. And I'm like, where are they coming from? Like, that's the question I have. Mm-hmm. Like, are, are they just, they're just like appearing out of nowhere. Like, where are they? And all of my Hoya are in Lekka. And I, I did a root check. Like, I'm checking the roots of these plants. Like, you can really see pretty deep in there. So, because I'm thinking, well, maybe they're like, maybe they're coming from the root ball you know, and they're like working their way up. And that's why I'm not seeing them, not seeing them down there either. So it's just so weird that I'm finding a couple every single day. Hmm. Not fun. Maybe you should get like a tent and then just throw some ladybugs in there and just have them yeah. massacre all of. Oh, that would be such a lovely sight to see. I know. Okay, so I guess so we can stay a little bit more organized. Maybe we should just go through, like, common pests and maybe our experiences with them or that. So maybe let's start with the most common pest uh, that most houseplant people deal with, which is, to me, fungus gnats. Right. Like, I know they're... And I guess in in your guys' opinion, are they detrimental to a plant? No. I... yeah, I don't. I don't think that they could be. They're they're more of a nuisance than anything. I yeah. feel they're yeah. feeding on the organic material in the soil. So unless your soil has no organic material, which that's not possible, like your plant wouldn't be living. Um, well, I guess unless you have like a lecca thing, but mm-hmm. that's that's what they're eating. So if your soil had no organic material then the fungus gnat would start feeding on the plant and then it would bother the plant but it's not it's going to take a really long time to get to that point so they're just more annoying for us mm-hmm. yeah because those little suckers do love carbon monoxide so they are always around your face yeah like always. regardless you know i've been in my house i've been in oh my gosh i literally just got a google notification that says thinking about visiting st louis stop I hate this. Did you? I was looking up St. Louis flights. <laughs> yes, but still. Ah. That's so creepy. That is so creepy. <laughs> is that what that sound was? Um, no, no, that was my mom's phone. Hold on one second, guys. Sorry. I'm going to pause for one second. Hey, mom. Hey, ma'am. Mom. <laughs> There's that accent. Because our phone's just going to keep going off. Do you ever have your phone on loud, Becca? I never have my phone make no, noises. No, me either. I don't even have it make vibrating noises. Me either. I don't know why I'm like this, but I just it makes me mad when I hear it going off a lot. It just <laughs> yeah. irritates me. I feel like, but you're like this with food too. Like, maybe we have a sound thing. Like a, a sound. Yeah. Somebody, I was listening to someone talk about it on a podcast and they're not health professionals or anything. But they were saying like, Am I, do I have anxiety or do I have like sound, do I have a sensory thing? I forgot what they called it. Yeah. Which I was like, do I have a sensory thing and anxiety? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Jay does. Lucky you. Yeah. 
Jay has that for sure. But okay, so okay. W- w- what do you guys do when you see fungus gnats showing up? Because okay, actually, raise your hand if you currently have a fungus gnat infestation. <laughs> I mean, I I wouldn't okay. necessarily call. No, I I don't. Okay, I, I don't. I do. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. It actually it got to the point, and Daniel is very understanding now about this. But at but at the beginning, he was like, "Uh, no, this is disgusting. Get rid of it right now." But this time, yeah. when it happened, he didn't say anything until yesterday. He like came into the plant room like really sweetly and was like, "Hey, hon, like I just noticed there's a lot of little gnats flying around. What's going on? And can you make them go away?" And I was like, "Wow, that was really really good communication." And yes, I will work on it. <laughs> That's sweet, yeah. But yeah, that took a long time for any of you with a partner who like gets really freaked out by it. That took years. So just wait. Wait it out. <laughs> wait it yeah. out. So what do you do in an... Well, what do you define as an infestation, rather? Uh, like when you're filling up a sticky trap? Yeah, they're filling up sticky traps. They're getting it all up in your face. Okay. Yeah. You find them in your cup of water. Yes. <laughs> okay. They're going everywhere. So the first yeah. thing I do is sticky traps, of course. It's like the classic way. But the thing about that is you're only killing the adults. And there's still adults out there living and hiding in the soil who are making more babies just going crazy down there. <laughs> but a freaking party. Their genitals. Yeah. And <laughs> we're only catching the brave ones who left the, the house so yeah. I this is what I used to do, and I didn't want to do this again, but I'm going to have to because it's so bad. But I used to water in with hydrogen peroxide, mm-hmm. and I would get rid of them within days. Literally, I would be gone within days. But at the same time, it kills everything in the soil, living, good or bad, all of it's dead. And that's not good because you want that microbial activity, the fungal activity in your pot, and you're killing it all by doing that. But at the same time, the fungus nets have not left. <laughs> so <laughs> might have to do some murdering of fungus and microbes. Yeah. Um, so me personally, whenever I'm doing soil mix, I always mix in mosquito bits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I will probably continue to do for any of my plants on soil. Uh, so that's a good thing. I mean, to be honest, I don't think I've done that recently, so I need to get back into the habit of doing that. But all of the soil that I buy, so, you know, I have De La Tank soil now, Fox Farm I used before that, but all of the all of the nurseries keep those soils outdoors, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. especially here in, in Phoenix. And so, and they all have vent holes in them because you don't want your bag to get moldy on the inside. There right. needs to be some sort of air exchange. Right. Uh, so regardless of like what soil you're getting, the chances of you having fungus gnats in that soil is very high. Yeah, yeah. Like because they'll find it and they're just gonna make it at their home. So um, that's why I just suggest mi- mixing like some mosquito bits and if you're mixing soil together, just adding some mosquito bits in there. Uh, but that's really, I mean, when I started my plant journey, when they got really bad. I did use beneficial nematodes, which worked like a charm. It's just, it's a lot to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not a lot to do, but 
you got to pre-water all your soil plants and then you got to mix and mix up the beneficial nematodes and then you got to put it in each soil plant which now that I don't have a ton of soil plants probably could do it again but it did take care of them very quickly mm -hmm. because like Becca said the nematodes attack the larvae mm -hmm. that are in the soil yeah. and if you're catching the adults with the sticky traps you need to make sure you're attacking the larvae that will turn into adults with either things like beneficial nematodes or uh, hydrogen peroxide or something of the effect and I think mosquito bits do that same thing they're there's some sort of bacteria that mm -hmm. that do something growth-wise. It's like stimulates the growth, or not stimulates, but whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I can't think of the word. It makes the growth stop, or like it it stops them from aging up into adult form. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you ever see? I I showed in a video doing that a long time ago, and a bunch of people were like, "Don't do that. It gets moldy in the soil." Like. The mosquito bits rot in the soil. That literally never happened to me. Has that, I mean, obviously since you're still doing it, it doesn't do it to you, but, right? No, but like I have noticed if I just put them on top, mm -hmm. then they would. I think it has something to do with like them coming in contact with water in the air. Because that's yeah. what I did when I first used mosquito bits. I thought you were just supposed to sprinkle them on top of the soil and then like water it thoroughly, which I think that's what, what it might say to do. Um, but then I did notice them start to get like, I don't know if it was necessarily moldy, but they would turn like a nasty brown, white, brownish color. And it was kind of gross. So that's when I started mixing them in. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not nece necessarily sure if it's mold. Yeah. But it's not cute either way. <laughs> yeah. So I put some mosquito bits in a cup of water yesterday and then watered my plant with the mosquito bit water. Yeah. I don't know. Because yeah. I found a big hub. My Anthurium clarinervium is like a, a big apartment complex. So <laughs> I tried to target it. I don't know if it worked. We'll see. Your Anthurium is Abitha for the fungus nap. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Abiza. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I mean, those pellets will, as they get saturated, they will, like, get, I, I want to say fuzzy, but I don't necessarily think that's mold. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just that little packed pellet is... Opening up. Almost like a sponge. Like, when you get it wet, it'll start expanding. Mm -hmm. But it's not the cutest thing to look at. So, yeah, mix it in with your soil. Sometimes I just, like, take a chunk of soil, set it aside and mix in the mosquito bits to that and I only top I put that part of the soil on the top of my plant so I'll put the rest of the soil underneath because usually gnats only live like an inch down in the soil they yeah. don't go super deep so that's a, that's something you could do but I haven't yeah the mold thing doesn't bother me there's also mosquito dunks so that's the same concept that you did Becca is just kind of letting a dunk, which is just like a circular, sol more solid form of mosquito bits, mm -hmm. um, dissolve in water and you can water with them. I mean, I feel like the most effective way to kill a colony is the hydrogen peroxide, but you just got to make sure that you're fertilizing a couple days after, because like you said, you're really killing off any nutrients in that pot or anything beneficial in that pot. Mm-hmm. And then most people might argue and just say, well, if you're going to do that, then why not just completely repot your plant? But it might not be time to repot. And I don't necessarily think that that's going to get rid of the 
fungus gnats because those little suckers they they hide in there like they're in there they'll find their way into your new soil mm-hmm. yeah you especially know. if you still have them flying around that's why it's really important to have the traps and like one fungus gnat can lay like what was it three or four hundred eggs in a day it's so yeah, gross it's or maybe, maybe it's yeah. 800 just it's ridiculous like to imagine the thousands of fungus gnats currently in my house is sickening <laughs> and they're just they're just yeah. getting down boogie woogie oogie making more <laughs> <laughs> boogie oogie oogie um now for a new plant you bring into your house things you can do because chances are if you buy a plant from a big box a big box store it's gonna happen. there's gonna be fungus nets yeah. in there like yeah. there there is uh so you can repot them into your soil mix by like trying to get as much of the soil off as as you can in your soil mix that has maybe mosquito bits mixed into it um what are some other things that you guys do in that situation i would say like when you first bring a plant home make sure that it's not near your other plants like maybe isolate it in a different part of the house or if you're able to keep it outside for a little bit depending on what area of the world you're in i would do that but even before you repot it i would try to let the soil dry out like completely completely Mm -hmm. because that usually does the trick too in stopping the breeding of fungus gnats like they're they like that moist soil the moist soil (laughs) yeah so just let it dry out completely before you're gonna repot it yep yep and yeah i would just leave the plant outside like nicole said depending on where you live but that let it dry out outside if if possible Mm -hmm for best results okay should we move on to the next let's talk about I mean I know we kind of were talking about this earlier but spider mites spider mites the hidden the hidden pest this one okay so there are ones that I think are worse than spider mites for various reasons that we'll talk about later but spider mites is pretty awful because a lot of the times you don't catch spider mites until it's at an advanced stage unless you're like fine tooth combing Mm -hmm all of your plants mm-hmm. you know so like i was bad. with macro monday <laughs> yeah exactly uh they're really hard to see they are and i think that's why when they're advanced where they have the webbing um is is when you usually catch them you're like well what are all these webs all over my plants uh but some common ways to find spider mites if you see your foliage kind of getting this like weird sandpapery kind of look not texture but like if you have this beautiful green leaf that just all of a sudden has these like it just kind of looks spotted not big spots either that's why i say sandpaper that's like a very big indication that Mm -hmm. you could have a spider mite infestation and they love to be underneath the leaf yes underneath in the the dark yeah so how i how i look for spider mites is using a flashlight and a uh, magnifying glass. I need to invest in like those jeweler glasses that you can just like put on your face Ooh. and just have. Um, You'd look like a mad scientist. Yeah. <laughs> but if you have a calathea in your collection, chances are there's spider mites on it right now. <laughs> if you have an alocasia in your collection, chances are there's spider mites on Go that. Go check it. Syngonium. Um, I just have. Oh my god. Oh, Syngonium. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. That's, what, that's what you had trouble with. 
yeah if i i just i'm picturing i'm picturing our listeners scrambling to their calathea and syngonium and it's giving me a little bit of a giggle but it'll be okay <laughs> yep yep yeah and i think i don't know i guess with any of these things just stay calm stay calm and you know take the time to really take the time to really fix it well the first time you treat and then the rest of the treatments after that will feel so much easier right because like sometimes i'll just like Mm -hmm. half-ass spray the plant down and then um I'll get them again, like, a few weeks later, you know. But on the, on the times, like, the first time I ever found spider mites, I went in with a freaking paintbrush, a toothbrush with my rubbing alcohol and dish soap. Like, I was scrubbing each individual leaf front and back, <laughs> and I didn't have spider mites on those plants for, like, months, which they came back. But <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm, now I've regulated it out. I don't get them that much anymore. But, yeah, they would come back within, like, a couple weeks if I didn't take care of it really thoroughly so i have yet to get spider mites but i've come very close to like scares because we have spiders like actual spiders in our house Mm -hmm. they come out in the spring and like in the winter they're like different kinds i don't know but um is that what's crawling on the ceiling right behind you shut up (laughs) just kidding I'm looking at the corners because they do. They like burrow in the corners, like the like where the ceiling meets the wall. Yeah. But anyway, do you leave them there or so, do you like remove them? What do you do? No, we leave them there for the most Same. part. Like, they eat other bugs. Like they're they're good to have around. You know. Mm-hmm. I Gosh, mean, when I was sorry to interrupt you. When I was in okay. Illinois, you know the tunnel spiders that build those webs that kind of like circular oh my into a God. tunnel. Oh my God! Which those does creep me out i don't love that because like trapdoor spiders just seem creepy to me like you don't know they're there and then they attack what uh not humans though well not humans yeah. it's about are you googling trapdoor spiders <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> just make sure your recording doesn't stop but anyway welcome to the midwest <laughs> um I when i first started my plant journey when i had all the fungus nets and i had one of those tunnel spiders in my window and I looked at the web and it was full of fungus gnats and I was like, you're staying because <laughs> you're, thank you for your service. You're staying. <laughs> yeah. You're so staying and it. I'm I paying. Like, you're, you're a friend. You're a friend of Judy. Yeah. They're, they're good to have around for many reasons, but um, I've seen webbing on a couple of my cactus, like from like, you know, pokey boy to pokey boy, like covering my cactus and i'm like what spider mites on my cactus like i've gotten freaked out a couple times but i got in there with my flashlight and <laughs> and my zoom lens and i was like no this is just a regular spider setting up shop but um yeah i have not had spider mites yet and i say yet because i know i like i know that they're gonna find me sooner or later like I feel like if you have a plant collection if you're a plant collector and you have at least 20 plants in your collection you're bound to get one of these pests at some point in time Becca your face I know I was trying to screenshot it but it was (laughs) were you looking up trapdoor spiders Uh, I was looking up funnel spiders is it the same as a trapdoor oh yeah I mean I think so hell no (laughs) I swear, if I ever saw that, 
I would not even bother it. The spiders looked huge. Yeah, well, they we're are talking, kind of like big. We're talking to somebody that handled Black Widows. That's in yeah. Arizona. Yeah, I guess I am a little fearless when it comes to Black Widows. I wouldn't let it Just crawl on me, but like she could, <laughs> she could like have her space and I'll have mine, and we can meet up on the porch and talk about our days. But beyond that, like she's not allowed inside. We just meet in our designated spot. Yeah. Uh, if you're not getting the joke, at my old apartment, I had a really, really serious black widow inve- infestation. I was going to say investment. I went, in on, I went in with some black widows on some cash. Anyway. Um, and I told my landlord about it like eight times. And Daniel was away on a work trip and he did not listen to me. Daniel comes back and tells him the next day he was here spraying. And I'm like, you... What? Asshole. I didn't know that piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. I saw them firsthand and they're very creepy. Yeah. And you know how yeah. you had to walk to your stairs in that first apartment. You had to like walk by those windows and I was terrified to do that. I was just like, they're all right here. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it was a narrow walkway. Just a yeah. little risky. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. So spider mites. Yeah. What, how have you treated yours? For, okay. So for me. I have used a myriad of products. So first, alcohol, water, dish soap mixture has been like super, super duper effective for me. Um, Basically, when I find them, I'll take the plant to the sink and I'll blast it with water. And I learned a lot of this from you too, so thank you. But yeah, so I would blast it with water and then I take a, a soft bristle toothbrush this part I learned from Rachel from Heart Shaped Leaves. And I would make that mixture, water, dish soap, and alcohol. Like, mostly water, squirt of alcohol, a couple drops of dish soap. Like, people always ask for ratios, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, just figure it out. I did. I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> two tablespoons of alcohol. I don't know. Just squirt some in there. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just a little, little dabble, do you? Yeah, like, if it makes you feel sick to smell it, you're probably on the right track. So, yeah, and then I would just, like, spray it on the plant with a spray bottle and then scrub it with a toothbrush along the petioles, the veins, and, like, the whole surface of the leaf, basically. And then after that, Mm -hmm. I would rinse it off, and then I would do that for, like, three days. Okay, this is if I'm really trying to get rid of it, if I'm putting some effort. I would do that for three days, wait for five days, and then do it for another three days. And then the infestation was surely gone, like, 100% gone. If I'm being a little mm-hmm. lazier, I spray it with this, uh, it's by Bonide, it's called Eight. Very, very chemically, mm-hmm. but I'll just take the plant into like a bathtub and I'll spray everything with the Bonide Eight. And that actually helps, like that has gotten rid of a lot of stuff. But if I, if I use that mm-hmm. with a mixture of like maybe the initial scrubbing, like day one scrubbing, and then I used eight the rest of the time, I think that would be really good too. And then, in addition with just pest prevention in general, I use an SNS 209. It's it's by Arbico Organics. So basically that is a systemic insecticide, an organic systemic mm-hmm. insecticide. And I feel like we've talked about this before. Yeah. It's, it's ringing I mean, familiar. But yeah, yeah and it's it uses, um, I forgot what the active ingredient is. I think that I... This the same thing happened last time. I didn't remember the active ingredient. I think it's rosemary, but it smells really nice. Oh. And um, so when the plant, when the pest 
you know bites into the plant with its mouth parts it basically like sucks up the the systemic and then it kills it very similar to Mm -hmm. like flea and tick medication on your dogs i put some flea and tick medication in my dog's mouth they swallowed it and then the next day i found a crusty ass tick on leo's shoulder so oh there you go it was dead (laughs) crusty ass. so that's pretty much how it works you know if you're not understanding systemic if you've ever given your dog flea and tick medication it's exactly the same thing. That's how it works. I have a question. Yeah. What is it about dish soap that is actually working as like in like a pesticide? Like, is it does <laughs> like in my mind, I'm thinking it's making the plant slippery and then they can't stay on there. Like, but you're washing it off. So that doesn't make any sense. I think it's because it coats the bug and some of them may have like breathing holes on their exoskeleton and it just like clogs that. Okay. But I don't know. It covers... Okay, so it says here, it covers the insect plus the desiccation brought about by the soap will remove the waxy coating from the creature, drying it out and killing oh. it. <laughs> Google. Google. Cool. Okay, question answered. So, yeah, so what do you what do you use, Adam? Do you kind of use the same thing? Yeah, I always if I if I find spider mites, I do the first thing is I just blast the plant with with water. So whether that's in the tub, in the sink, or outside, um, that will blast away a lot of the adults. Mm-hmm. The spider mite life cycle, I want to say maybe ten days. I don't know for sure, so don't quote me on that. But you do have to treat your plant. Like, you can't just treat it once and be done because there's probably eggs somewhere on that plant that you didn't see that are mm-hmm. going to hatch with more little spider mites. So I usually went with, like, I sprayed it down. I always use Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew. I'm not, like, obviously not sponsored. And I do believe the safety date, the safety data sheet may not list houseplants as uh, what you should use this on. But I have used it. I wear gloves. Because, you know, your skin is your biggest organ. And (laughs) when you spray stuff, it's going to get on your skin. Um, But I use gloves. And I usually do it outside. I usually treat my plants outside. Because I'm fortunate enough to be able to do that kind of Mm year-round here. But I spray with Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew that has spinosad in it. That I believe coats the leaves. So if a bug bites onto a leaf that has been sprayed with Captain Jack's the same way that the systemic insecticide works, it will kill them. Um, and then I usually treat like, I'll treat it first and then I'll wait two or three days, treat it again, wait two or three days, treat it again, and then wait like five days and treat it for kind of a last time. And then I'm constantly just like inspecting to see if I see anything, any new activity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but that's my method usually. It's a process. It is a process. Those ones are not fun. No, spider mites is not fun. So what do we think's the next next in line as like more common mealies pests? Mealy bugs, those little white fuzzy bastards. Mm. <laughs> Ugh, they're so gross. Like if you really look at them with a magnifying glass, they're they creep me out. And I get some juicy ones, like some big <laughs> mealies to where i'm questioning myself like how long have you been here chomping on this plant you know 
Yeah. Um, do you guys get mealybugs? Because I never hear you talk about them. I you do? I do every once in a while. Not often, though. Everyone, like, I think maybe okay. twice I've had them. Okay. Same. Yeah. They seem to be the only pest that I really get, aside from fungus gnats. Mm-hmm. Like, they're I mean, up there. A lot of people ask, like, you have so many Hoya, like, I can't believe you don't have mealybugs. And so I think that they're kind of a little, maybe a little common on Hoya. I don't know. So I'm, I freak out thinking, like, well, maybe I'm not inspecting good enough. But no, I've, I don't have mealies. I mean, they're, they're pretty easy to identify because they're white, fuzzy, like little cotton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. pill bugs that are crawling around well not usually crawling they usually are pretty static when they yeah. find their spot but no I haven't dealt with them a lot Yeah. but I do think that that would probably be the I don't want to put this into the universe but I would be the pest that I think I'd be <laughs> less upset about because yeah. Yeah. they seem like the easiest to eradicate yeah. or the easiest to identify I don't yeah. know well, I shouldn't say easiest to eradicate because you just said you you just can't figure out where they're coming from. <laughs> we're we're going through a little bit of a struggle, but I mean, they are easy though. They are easy, and they're not all over the place. If you, they're like you said, they're pretty easy to identify. So you usually catch them fairly like early on. Like you're not going to necessarily get an infestation unless they're setting up shop under a big leaf and like you just don't turn that leaf over for for months at a time Mm -hmm. you're gonna see them so and it is only my hoya like knock on wood it's only my hoya right now that i'm noticing one or two on each day but i'm i'm chalking it up to the fact that my plants are getting so big under my grow lights on my shelves that I think I'm gonna have to get a third shelf because they're no longer fitting together and all of my Hoya are on the same shelf. Like I have two shelves, two shelving units and they're like on that same level. So they're just kind of jumping around from one plant to the next I think because I can't keep my Hoya from touching each other. So, which is another good point to talk about. Like if, you know, it's really good to group your plants together because they, feed off of each other they give they, they give each other life and like you know that's great and all but it's also really hard when you're dealing with a pest issue mm-hmm. <laughs> like I have a feeling I'm that's probably going to be the only way I eradicate the situation is to kind of just separate them and maybe bring some outside for a couple days like when it's not going to rain and just really let these little guys die off you know yeah so can you so can you spray but your whole plant aren't difficult in my opinion they're really not that bad they're a nuisance but they like they don't fly (laughs) so they got that going for them and unless your plants are super close to each other they're not likely to get to another plant like they don't create webbing where they can skip from one plant to the next like they really do just kind of stay in one little area yeah so could you spray and they die upon contact with alcohol which is so satisfying i don't think she can hear us can you hear us no (laughs) what are you doing interrupting adam (laughs) shut up you hit a quote you hit an exclamation point on your screen for the past two minutes and now you're back so maybe can you hear me now yeah, I can hear you now. I'm okay. sorry. I, no, you're fine. I was I was just asking, <laughs> could you spray your whole plant with the alcohol water dish soap thing that, that Becca does for spider mites? Like, if you took your plants outside and sprayed them all with that, do you think that that would help? 
Because yeah, right now, no. is your method just seeing one using alcohol on a Q-tip and just dabbing it off? That's exactly and my method. eating that I've, fucker out the house? Yeah, <laughs> just getting that satisfying little swipe. Um, no, I've never tried that. So that might be a really good alternative to trying to get rid of these and my problem is is that like i don't see like i see one or two and i'm not even exaggerating by like the one or two every night when i'm checking my plants and it's on like a different plant and then i'll go in and inspect that whole plant and i don't see any other ones you know so i think it's gonna have to be like bring them all outside spray them down with that mixture that might really help oh i didn't mention this when we were talking about fungus nets but another good organic uh thing to mix in your soil would be diatomaceous earth oh yeah right use that Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah i use that on my plants that i'm bringing inside for the fall or the winter months like once my plants have been outside i i did that i don't know if it was last year or the year before but i used it and i have never seen any pests like crawl out of my or bugs crawl out of my plants yeah a bunch of people, <clears throat> but that's a good a idea. A bunch of people suggest that for fungus gnats. I might have to do it. Yeah, I might have to try it out. That's what I. Yeah, that's what I was meaning because it is like f- tiny little microscopic fossilized exoskeleton or skeletons of something that like just are like razor blades when something brushes by that. So it just, you know, I, I had a a long time ago. My cats had some fleas, and that's never fun oh to deal God. with. But diatomaceous Ooh. earth helped a lot with that. So you, um, you just sprinkle it on your cat, like on I their did. coat? Yeah. yeah. And then on the like soft furniture places that the cat would lay and yeah. fleas are the worst. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet. But Okay, so mealybugs. Yeah. I don't know how to prevent mealybugs. I think systemics will pre- systemics do work on mealybugs. I know systemics don't always work on spider mites. Like that's the that's kind of an iffy one. But mm-hmm. they do work on mealybugs, I believe. Yeah. So okay. you could also maybe try that with your Hoya. I know they're in Lekka, but I put yeah. that bonide houseplant systemic in mm-hmm. my reservoir for about a month, and then I rinsed it all out. Um, so maybe that, that can when help you, too. Was that when you had thrip? Yeah, thrip. So that's what Let's I think, talk about that. Oh, we'll talk about that next. That <laughs> one. Those little, those little bees grow wings and fly when oh, they're adults. I just can't. Like, that... To me, that's the worst. Like, fungus gnats are a nuisance, but, like, at least, you know, like, I don't know. They're just, they're tiny. They're microscopic. They're annoying. But, like, having an actual insect flying around your house, multiple, ooh. And then they can fly from plant to plant, you know? (laughs) So it's like infestation city. Have either of you two had thrips before? I, Mm -hmm. I thought I did, but now looking back, I think it was just spider mites. Yeah. Yeah. No, so no, never had thrips. However, I'm terrified of them. So I hope that I never have to experience that because they those ones fly, correct? So mm-hmm. you've yeah. had them though, Adam. So let's hear what you have to say. <laughs> yeah. So those were uh I recognized thrips because my white wizard was putting out leaves uh that had like little carvings on them and at first i thought it was just maybe i let the plant go a little too dry while it was developing the leaf because they were just like little scratches on the leaf surface uh 
and they weren't straight lines or anything. They were just kind of like little grooves. And I, I thought that it was my fault. And then it just kept happening and happening. And one day I saw one of those little black cigar-shaped MFers just like hanging out on my white wizard. And I grabbed my Harry Potter wand and said, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I can't. Avada Kedavra. I couldn't think of the. I couldn't think Don't of the spell. Don't say it out anyway. loud. We can't say it. <laughs> but after seeing that, then I was like in the shower where I have you know my jungle shelf above the shower, and my Mikeens was like cascading down because it was like in its full glory, and I was like staring at it while I was showering, and I saw these little white bugs like crawling pretty quickly around the surface of the leaf. Well, that was Thrips in like its. Uh, smaller form. form. Yeah, it's baby yeah. form before the adult. So I freaked out and there was a bunch of plants I treated. So I did the same thing with thrips that I did with spider mites was I blasted them with water and then I used Captain Jack's dead bug brew. Mm-hmm. But a lot, and I mean a lot of people on Instagram when I said I was battling thrips told me that they were not able to, su- to successfully rid thrips from their collection until they used a systemic. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. is when I bought the houseplant systemic by Bonide. And to be honest, like I, my infestation with thrips was not big, even though by the looks of the white wizard, you would assume that it was because like all of the leaves had carvings on them, but I only ever saw one adult on that plant. Mm-hmm. And I inspected that whole plant. Mm-hmm. Um, but I used a systemic in my soil plants, that houseplant systemic by Bonide. And then I also put it in my Leca reservoirs for my LECA plants because the the Mikeans was in LECA. And so I was oh, like, well, wow. I can't, I don't know how I'm going to use a systemic with this. So that just got a huge blast in the shower. And then I put systemics and Captain Jack's with that. And I mean, it, it all went away really quickly for me, thankfully. Like I, I kept inspecting my plants for the next week and then the week after that. And I just never saw any signs of thrip thrips and then my white wizard starting putting out new growth and it didn't have the carved edges on the leaf because that's what the little that's what the baby thrips do they like the new growth and they kind of chomp at it as it's developing Mm. um so if you're dealing or battling with thrips right now i would highly suggest you know to to fully rid yourself of them that you need to start using a systemic of some sort Mm -hmm. because that's what's really going to eradicate them. How often do you use your systemic? Like I just have, I've honestly just used it the once mm-hmm. so far, but I probably should just yeah, I don't know. I don't have any more cuz I used it all in that situation. Uh but for my leca plants, I let it sit in the reservoir for a month before I like probably the second third flush i just rinsed out the whole reservoir because it kind of stayed in the reservoir but it just you know it dispersed its chemicals whatever and the roots uptook that so i think it did its job but right and you never noticed any like any um like it didn't affect your plant's growth or anything using a systemic in leca right like you didn't notice anything okay I think I, mean, I might the, try that. The Mikeans was, for the longest time, like, not doing anything. But also that was partly, you know, I've said this before, but I was holding a grudge against it. So I was kind of just like, screw you. Uh, <laughs> but now she's growing beautifully. I gave her a haircut. I cut off all those, like, long stems that were bare because of I was ignoring it. And it was just killing off its older leaves. Um, 
But lots of new growth now and huge new growth too. Like those leaves are way bigger than the original one. Mm. So oh, nice. But thrips, that's not a fun one. No. They're easy to identify though in their adult form because they are like a cigar shaped black right. bug. Yuck. Yucky. Grody. Well, I hope we never get them. I hope you don't ever experience them again. Yeah. Yuck. Not a fun Sick. one. Another one that I was thinking of is scale. I think that would be the next Ugh. on my list. Scale. Which I can. I cannot even tell you. Like, if you have cactus or euphorbia and you've never had scale before, what are you, like, <laughs> please DM me. What are you doing? Talk to yeah. me. Tell me your ways. Because I've battled scale numerous mm-hmm. times. Me too. I had scale most recently on my booby cactus. And it was, like, it was so weird because it just started, it just popped up one day and then started multiplying. So I wonder if it, if it was on the plant when I bought it and I just didn't notice and then it just kept multiplying. Mm. So yeah, scale, scale is pretty easy to identify though, wouldn't you say? I would say, but then also like on some cactus, it's kind of difficult too, because I've had cactus that have had sun damage and scarring from sun damage and it kind of looks the same as scale Mm -hmm. would. So in that sense, it's kind of hard to identify. But if your plant has never been exposed to any sun and they would not, <laughs> they wouldn't have sun damage, chances are it's scale. Yeah. Is scale always easy to scrape off? Like always? Or are there times where you really got to pry those suckers off? No, there's times you got to pry those suckers off. Like to the point where you're almost damaging the plant. Mm-hmm. that's when you know it's gone too far my mom had a really bad infestation on her fairy castle cactus and if you know what a fairy castle cactus looks like it's got a ton like it just grows in pillars but in like clusters so it's really hard to get in and you know they're covered with spines so it's really hard to get like in there and scrape them off but i did what i could in a vi- in a youtube video mm-hmm. <laughs> from like two years ago and I, I didn't get it all, but yeah, sometimes you have to really like scrape it off and then you kind of like eat into the flesh of the plant and you know, you don't want to do that either. So if you catch it early on, it's fairly simple to, to wipe it off. Yeah. yeah. The And there's different types of, there's different types of scale too, because well, from my understanding, at least what people have told me, because I had scale on the boob cactus, like I said, but it came off really easy, but it was definitely not mealybugs, but it just came off so easy mm-hmm. and it was round like scale, like it just looked exactly like scale. And someone was like, well, it might be just like a different type. So I don't know. Yeah. But usually scale, like when it is like hard bodied, like armored scale, it like it doesn't work to spray them like you literally have to take like a what is it like a toothpick or your nail and like break the seal and rip it off that's yeah that's what my mom had on her fairy castle i think i had something similar to what you had on your booby cactus on one of my apuntia that i also did a video Mm -hmm. for that was like in early stages where it, it wasn't armored yet like it didn't have that 
waxy hard texture over mm-hmm. it it was more just like take some alcohol and like a, a cotton swab and wipe it off and it worked pretty sometimes you can even just run it under water and take your finger and just like it sounds gross but it's you i never see scale moving it's like yeah. a it's like a stagnant like it's a pest that just stays there so it's not like as gross as it sounds but mm-hmm. Mine came off pretty easily from my Apuntia. Yeah, I mean, I've had scale infestations where they come off really easy with just alcohol, Q-tip, a cotton swab, and scrapes right off. And I've had some that I feel like I've had to dig off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and destroy the plant tissue. But I do think systemics will also help with scale. Because, again, they're feeding off of the, the plant material. Mm-hmm. And when you use a systemic, the plant is uptaking that into its material and then you know the scale suckles on that and dies so do you think that adding a systemic just as a like precautionary measure to all of your plants would be smart yes yeah I do yeah too. very much so i mean i'm i don't do it personally but mm-hmm. i probably should yeah yeah i'm highly considering it yeah it's just one extra step like, it's, it's like fleas and ticks with your dogs or your cats or whatever, because, like, it's all fun and games mm-hmm. until you find flea dander. What is it? Flea poop in your bed, because it's Ugh. coming off your dog. That happened to me. So, it <sighs> yeah, it's all fun and games until you're, like, scrubbing your house with flea yeah. soap. So, it's, like, the same thing with a houseplant. Like, it's all fun and games until it starts to die and you don't know why and then you get up close and then you see that it has thrips or spider mites or mealybugs or whatever these things can help prevent as much as possible it's like being in grade school again and just adding a couple drops of tea tree oil to your shampoo as a preventative measure to not get lice (laughs) or getting a vaccine that is now available to you (laughs) <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that voice. Um, let's talk about neem oil real quick because I know we're, we're reaching kind of like the cap limit of this episode. But more and more information keeps coming out about neem oil and how it's basically just a big scam. Yeah, I've been hearing about this. What are so, your thoughts on that? I mean, I know that you hate the smell of neem oil. Oh, yeah, I personally. can't even... And I, I think we have talked about house. this before. It could probably be beneficial, I think, to not create a welcoming environment for pests, but I don't think it will take care of an active infestation. Right. And mm-hmm. some of the information I've seen is that neem oil has not really been tested as far as its toxicity to humans. It's a natural it's a natural oil pressed from something. Neem tree, but, I think. Uh yeah. Okay. I did, I was gonna say that, but I was like, maybe that seems too easy. <laughs> it's too obvious. I think it's a neem tree, really. But uh, you know, neem oil has been used for a long time outdoors in gardens. It's been a it's mm-hmm. been a big garden uh, product and successful garden product. Uh, but I don't think there's been sufficient testing on using neem oil in small spaces, small non-ventilated spaces like your apartments. And some of us who have hundreds of plants, and if you're spraying neem oil and all that, you're also inhaling that. Uh, so I would just recommend to wear a mask. And we all have mm-hmm. masks now. Yeah, we do. Uh, to wear a mask when you're doing it and gloves as well. I just don't, again, I'm not a scientist. 
I've just seen articles and I've I've come across people who are smarter than I who just basically have said like stop doing it like it's not really helping you and it could mm-hmm. also be hurting mm-hmm. you hmm. okay well I won't ever have to worry about that ever <laughs> I remember I bought a bottle of neem oil like very early on in my plant journey and I had this drawer I put all of my stuff in like an old dresser and I just put all of my plant supplies in it and the bottle of neem oil wouldn't fit standing up in the drawer so I laid it on its side and I opened the drawer and it had spilled everywhere and I shit you not when I tell you I almost threw up in that same drawer as I opened it I just can't like the something about the smell of it just is like super appalling to me like I can't stomach Mm -hmm. it I don't I don't know why I don't know what it is but it's it doesn't bother me that much but I understand that a lot of people do not love the smell yeah it's pretty pretty disgusting smell so I think that covers all of the the pest stuff. Yeah. Do we want to do one of the listener questions? Well, we're introducing a new segment into our podcast where we answer questions that have been sent to us by email. So if you have any sort of plant question and, dare I say, maybe like personal question, mm-hmm. not too personal, but any kind of question at all, if you're just like sitting there and wondering, I wonder this about them or I wonder this about so-and-so. Feel free to email us your questions at pottedtogetherpodcast at gmail.com. We all have access to that email. We're compiling these questions. You can also send us a question on Instagram, but we would rather you send it to the email. So pottedtogetherpodcast at gmail.com. You can attach pictures, which is always very helpful when when diagnosing maybe some plant issues. But, yeah, we have a few questions already because we posted this on Instagram, and we want to take this time to just answer a few of those. So, without further ado. Yeah. Okay. You can also get to that email through our Potted Together Instagram. There's a link to our email there. So, you can just click that button, and it'll go right to our email. Okay. This question comes in from Susan, and she said, listening to your Plant Swap podcast, and you have piqued my interest in Tucson, so this might be a question for Becca, Mm -hmm. sounds like a fun area to visit. Would you love some, or would love some more info? What time of the year is the best to visit? Would it be like May, or would it be like November? They enjoy hiking, biking, and fun, healthy restaurants. Thanks, guys. Love all three of you. What are your thoughts on that, Becca? Okay. Well, first, I'm thrilled that you're interested in Tucson. Just want to say, great decision. There's so much to do, so many beautiful resorts and like spa resorts that are smaller, great Airbnbs, so excellent selection. Okay, as far as best time <laughs> of year to visit, I would say March, well, February, March, or like October. November-ish. You want to avoid those harsh summer months because like literally your face will melt off if you're not from there and you show up in Tucson in July and it's like 120 degrees, 60% humidity because it does get a little humid in the summer sometimes. So yeah, that would be the best time to come. If you're wanting to see like, ah, yeah, I, I, Adam, you, you still live there. You think that would be a good time to visit? 
Oh, yeah. I think that's a perfect time. Yeah. Early spring, late fall. Because it's like yeah. normal temperatures, yeah. like 70s, 80s during that time, even still. Yeah. Um, Susan, I will say that just being someone who visited Arizona quite often in the past few years, my absolute favorite time to come was from November to January. The weather is just absolutely perfect. It's 70s. It's It gets chilly at night. But if you're looking to do any type of hiking, like Becca said, you really want to avoid that harsh summer heat because you won't want to do any of that during those months. And they advise not to, actually, because it just gets so Mm -hmm. hot. Yeah. But yeah, Yeah, if we ever did summer hikes, we'd leave at like five in the morning and be done by 8 a.m. So unless you want to do that, (laughs) you probably will hurt yourself going during the day (laughs) in the summer. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and there's so many places to hike and to bike i feel like tucson might be like the the mountain bike slash road bike mecca mm-hmm. of arizona yeah because there's always yeah. people on their bikes around there yeah so there's lots of great bike trails so many great bike trails you can actually bike all the way up mount lemon if you're like a serious cyclist which <laughs> i would never do that but there's lots of people who do <laughs> and um what else? There's lots of great Mexican food. Don't leave without trying street tacos, going to a few different Mexican places. Mm. Um, there's something called the Mercado Saint Mercado San Augustine, which is a little, it's a newer shopping district on the downtown strip, but like across the highway. When, when you're there, you're, you're, you'll understand, but it's a little bit further from downtown, but it's on the same street. And it's just this really awesome courtyard with like a bunch of restaurants and shops and it just all meets together in the middle and the vibes are immaculate I've like I think about that place all the time I miss it so much I used to go there like every Sunday so yeah I would really suggest doing that yeah and Sace was the restaurant yeah go go to Sace Sace. and that was it's so good yeah and and the little Mexican bakery yes yeah there's like a super authentic Mexican bakery and everything's like 10 cents like 25 cents it was it's like really cheap and also really good so love it yeah i know me too i'm gonna cry i miss it it's so expensive (laughs) to fly back or else i would have already i miss it a lot and uh mount lemon is very beautiful and there's a whole like podcast slash like app you can download to listen while you drive up mount lemon that kind of explains because you go through like four different uh I don't want to say atmospheres, but four different climates. Yeah, climbing up. Is it biospheres? Yeah. Biomes. Biomes. Yeah. So it's really cool to listen to that and like also hear the history of the mountain. But then also Windy Point, which we all three stopped at, is a beautiful place to just like watch the sunset and then you can see the city come to life Mm -hmm. as the sun goes down. It's just so cool. I love love Tucson so much. Yeah, it is. It's so pretty there. Okay, we have time for just one more question. <laughs> Smile through the tears, Becca. I'm sorry. Oh, not Aww. me crying. Oh, it's no. okay. Okay, we have one more question um, to bring your mind to a different place, Becca, because you might know more about this as well. So this is from Dawn, our friend Dawn. She said, so I often hear plant tubers say... I think this is a tissue culture plant, but that's okay. I don't get it. What is a tissue culture plant and why is it okay or not okay? Isn't a plant a plant? I hope you can answer this question for me. Thanks, Dawn. (laughs) Oh, Dawn, you're so right. A plant is just a plant. 
I think yeah. it's it's a really elitist thing to. Uh, maybe pe- people don't know that it's elitist at first. I'm sure that that's not everyone's intention, but there is a lot of elitism in the plant community for people who bought, you know, the original plant and those who bought the tissue culture bought like the Walmart brand or whatever. When, that's not true at all because it all ends up being the same plant eventually. But tissue culture is just a clone. It was So the plant was propagated via cloning on like a cellular level and its growth habit is slightly different at the beginning of its juvenile stages and as it ages it will take on more characteristics of its original plant that it was cloned from it just takes it takes a a couple of feet of growth or maybe a couple inches depending on the plant but it this is most commonly known about with like the the tetrasperma the raphidophora tetrasperma but so many plants have been tissue cultured like an insane amount of plants have been tissue cultured Mm -hmm. most plants i would say and it was never really a conversation until the raffi right yeah yeah what yeah Yeah, i I mean that's that's what i was gonna say was my biggest like that's the only time i remember hearing about tissue culture for the first time was when the raffidophora tetrasperma yeah and it literally like so many people use tissue culture like so many like how do you think there's this many plants out there but another plant yeah. that's being grown mass massively by tissue culture currently is the Thai constellation um, by yeah. Costa Farms, most notably. So, I mean, pretty much any Thai constellation that you can get your hands on next year are probably going to be from tissue culture. And I'm just waiting for all the plant elitists to be like, I had it when it was the original plant. <laughs> Good luck with your Walmart plant. Yeah. yeah, the tissue culture thing is just a way to mass produce maybe hard to find or high demand plants to get them out to people who desire to have those plants. Mm-hmm. So Becca's right, right in that it's like an elitist if someone's like, oh, well, that's just a tissue culture. Because when the whole Raphidophora thing was coming out, people were like, oh, it should have a different name. And they were calling it Raphidophora pertusa. And I don't know if that's like scientifically Mini correct. Monstera. Or if, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah. it's just like, yeah. So like Becca said, you, they break it down to like this tiny cellular level, put it in some sort of liquid that creates, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of this these plants to then be readily available to the public. Right. And yeah, a plant so long story, is just a plant. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say that. Long story short, a plant is just a plant, and don't pay no attention to that. Yeah, because I bought a tissue culture tetrasperma, and now it looks like everyone else's regular tetrasperma. So just took a yeah. bit of time. Yeah. Okay, well, that's it for our podcast today. Um, We are and do have plans to film a collab video, which may or may not be up or will soon be up on our YouTube channel, Potted Together. So check those out. Um, And make sure you follow us on Instagram, pod at, sorry, (laughs) at (laughs) Potted Together is our handle on Instagram. And then each of us individually, at De La Plants, at My Clean Leaves, and at Not Dude. And... I think that's all the housekeeping, right? Housekeeping. Yeah, that's all. Okay. All right. Well, we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. 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 When you need 
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.